0: Hello and welcome to the Ocean Rowing Club podcast, where each week I will talk to a past ocean rower to get their unique view on the ocean rowing experience. My guest this week is a special one for me because he's my very good friend, aka my Atlantic crewmate, aka Puddle Boy, aka Michael Collins. It is Scott Butler. All right, Butler, introduce yourself, please.
1: Hi, uh, my name's Scott Butler. I am 39, very close to 40 years old. I currently live in North Devon, uh, and surface paradise, but really I hail from the center of the universe, which is uh, Crawley in West Sussex. If you haven't heard of it before, go check it out. (laughs) No disrespect, love that town. So I've done two rows, uh, the first of which was back in 2016. Uh, That was solo uh, in my little plywood ocean rowing boat, Pacific Pete. Uh, across the Black Sea. I left from Burgas in Bulgaria and I paddled for 29 days across to Batumi in Georgia, becoming the first person to do so, which is pretty cool. Now, some people would call that, and when I say some people, friends, supposedly, uh, just a puddle. Uh, so in 2020, 2020, 2021, wow. It, Times just—it's hard to keep track, isn't it? Really, uh, early 2021, rode across the Atlantic as initially a team of four, uh, and subsequently a team of three. We left from Lanzarote and we rode to Antigua in our boat Brainwaves. Uh, so it was uh, Billy Taylor, myself, the host here, Alex, and Liz. So we rode for—I think the whole expedition was 61 days. So that, I think was 14 rowing, two floating. Two being towed by a Portuguese boat to Cape Verde, a week in Cape Verde, and then, correct me if I'm wrong, 39 days to Antigua uh, to do the 3,200 miles.
0: I am going to have to correct you because you are wrong and our crossing was 37 days, 21 hours, but more importantly, the crossing was in 2020. Now I can completely forgive you for thinking it was 2021 because basically 2020 and 2021 are like the same year, but it was in fact two years ago, which is slightly terrifying. Now let's get on with the important questions. Why did you want to row an ocean?
1: why i wanted to do either of those things uh, differs massively first one i'd crashed the speedway motorbike 10 years ago now almost exactly 10 years ago uh, while i was trying to do something new every day for a year for a little book i was writing don't bother looking it up it's dreadful but with 20 odd days to go uh, i crashed the speedway bike and end up with a dacron graft in my femoral artery um so i'm basically you know, half half android <laughs> robot from the future. So I just wanted to prove that I could still do stuff. So I settled on the big, big idea of journey to Mount Elbrus and the uh, the row across the Black Sea. And as I mentioned before, the Atlantic was an opportunity I couldn't turn down partly because uh, it would hopefully put an end to the friendly banter slash abuse of only rowing across a puddle.
0: Well, you definitely thought wrong there. Tell us the top three highlights of your crossing.
1: Um I would say So let's take the first one, uh the Black Sea. I'd say the night skies, although that's gonna be one for both of the crossings to be honest, but the night skies, it was the first time I'd really experienced that. Seen you no know, impressive skies before, but the sheer vastness of what was above you was breathtaking. And that was yeah, that was that was a massive highlight. And I say and lots the dolphins swimming around, uh they you know, I had Sit on the boat on my own and have my breakfast, whatever, and the dolphins just be swimming around the boat. So now that was really cool. And I think possibly the highlight for the Black Sea wasn't so much the row, it's going to sound strange. It wasn't so much the row, it was the overall package. It was the fact that it was my first real major adventure. And it was obviously taking a lot of organization, a lot of money, a lot of time, and obviously with problems. And then to be there and actually doing it, to get past that start line and on to the actual challenge, yeah, sometimes I couldn't quite believe I was there. And, you know, there would have been a lot of naysayers as i quite often is for anybody that goes on a big adventure uh so to not prove them wrong but prove that i could do it i wasn't proving anybody wrong i was maybe proving to myself that I could do these things I could set out and do it so that, that was a highlight I suppose so those are sort of transferable to the Atlantic I guess but surfing down the waves at 14 knots on the Atlantic that was pretty cool really enjoyed that obviously the wildlife is always going to be a massive feature of any crossing although we didn't see any sharks but saw plenty of other wildlife which was awesome yeah it's hard to say isn't it because it's like type 2 fun You know, sometimes it's, it's really hard And but as time goes on you remember more the good bits but they were more the, it's the package as opposed to individual moments yes the sunrise the sunset the wildlife the skies probably the same kind of things that most people talk about um, but they were huge for me.
0: What was the hardest part physically and what was the hardest part mentally?
1: The physical and mental side are two things that you often get asked about aren't they really i'd say people focus on the physical side in my experience more than the other saying oh i should wouldn't oh, I shouldn't be able to do that i wouldn't have the strength or no i wouldn't my back would give up or, or something like that and don't get me wrong there is a element of stamina to it but it's not for me about that it's about the mental side of it it's that mental strength can you go on day in day out rowing for 12 hours a day with little sleep with little maybe questionable food with sores with you know the, the more or less unending unchanging scenery around you it's, it's the mental times If it is three o'clock in the morning it's dark you're getting wet you're getting battered from a, from the sea from the side and you're not we you don't feel like you're making any progress yeah, the others are asleep you're just sort of battling away they're the moments where you have to dig deep and I okay, guess so they're the, the mental side of it uh, it's always going to be you know, I miss friends, family you know, or food yeah it's, it's those dark moments that you have to battle against and I think it's key to be able to put your mind somewhere else disconnect that's, I think that's what it is disconnect disconnect your brain from your body and where you are and be able to put yourself somewhere else so you, your body is an autopilot. You're rowing, you're pulling, but your brain is somewhere else. You're thinking of creating a story somewhere. You know, you're, I came up with a, a book I'm still writing around these characters that I had no idea where they were going to fit into anything called Angel Fish and the Zebraman. That's developed into a science fiction book and that's what I'm writing now. So that's not the point of the question, but that's where my brain was and I was able to disconnect. I was able to think about other places I've been, other places I want to go, which, which actually is both a pro and a con. Um, like I said earlier, being able to be there in the moment is often something i struggle with. So it's great that I'm able to disconnect and put myself somewhere else and maybe think about the next challenge or where I want to do go or what I want to do. But by doing that sometimes, if you take do it at the wrong time or um, or maybe too much, you forget about where you are there and then. So finding that balance is probably one of the toughest things, I think.
0: Excluding people and pets, which three things did you miss most while you were at sea?
1: Yeah, you're always going to miss people, animals, food, all that kind of thing, aren't you? And it's those creature comforts things that you miss the most. Um, I I know you'll find it funny, but yeah, having dry pants um, (laughs) is is a big one. Uh, Obviously, I had a little bit of a tantrum when – I'd finally got my pants dry and then the catamaran came alongside, relatively alongside. And they, it wasn't their fault. It was just a sea. But it came on, it hit the boat and I got wet pants. And you know, I was particularly unimpressed with them, even though it had nothing to do with them. But at the time, I felt it was their fault. Because obviously, the, you hadn't seen a boat for so long. And then suddenly a boat comes alongside. And what happens you get wet? You're just like, ugh. But, <laughs> so yeah, dry pants. Well, uh, what else to miss? Yeah, it's hard to say beyond the normal things, isn't it? You're going to miss your friends, your family, um, my dog. Being still, is that, is that a reasonable answer? I missed being still, although we had our moments where the, the boat was just gliding along. Yeah, it's always going to be food, isn't it, really? The camaraderie of the guys at work in the fire service, maybe. Didn't miss TV or anything like that. Yeah, so it's so, hard. Yeah, didn't really miss much, which is possibly different to what I felt at the time.
0: How much training did you do before the row?
1: So before the Black Sea, I trained a lot. I trained on the ERG. I'd do anywhere between sort of 10Ks at speed or two or three hour stints on the rowing machine. And again, that was a lesson in disconnecting the brain from the body and the monotony and the boredom. I worked quite a lot on uh, lower back strength uh, uh, and shoulders Going into the Atlantic, I didn't really do any of that because I, I'd already learned that lesson that I knew that I could get fit doing it, if you like, if you know what I mean. Um So with hindsight, I don't think I'd change either of those things. I think because it was my first one, I felt the need and I felt it was probably right that I did train hard specifically for rowing and, um, and I got across. So... I wouldn't change that. And then for the Atlantic, yeah, I wouldn't change it again. Um, I picked up some injuries from the first row, um, which still niggle, but I learned to live with them. So I don't think I could have done anything different for either one. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that.
0: Did you suffer with any injuries, sores, nasties or sickness?
1: Well, I'm quite accident prone as people like to point out and I I don't think that's the right term. I think if you put yourself in harm's way and do silly adventurous things, eventually, you know, your luck's going to run out and you'll hurt yourself. So as it happens, I'm just about to go back to work after fracturing my leg um, trying to skateboard. Uh, for an upcoming adventure and uh, I crashed a speedway bike when I was um, 30 something like that no 29 and smashed my femoral artery up so I have a history basically and I had micro across Italy um, I smashed my eye and you know stitches in my, my face so I'd often do these things so on the the Black Sea um, there was a time where I was just about to get out of my cabin and you know just a wave hit and I smacked my head on the, the bulkhead all the corners I thought and all the sharp edges were covered in insulation you know, like the, the insulation foam padding stuff. Um, but I caught that one bit that wasn't because you, you, know, you've got your electronics in there. There's always going to be something for you to catch your head on or an arm or a shoulder or elbow, whatever. Um, so yeah, had some sterile strips that, strips that I put on there, but yeah, you regular sores around your backside and, you know, that kind of thing, but nothing too major. Lost f- Fourteen kilos, I think, in weight. So that wasn't too bad. And actually the Black Sea's not that salty, so the salt saw situation isn't that bad. Uh and so going along with that, if I wanted to wash things, I didn't have to use any of my clean desalinated water. No. I could just use seawater and it was absolutely perfect. Whereas obviously the Atlantic, as many people know, salt saws are one of the worst things. So yeah, I had a, one on my foot, a couple on my backside, but I'm quite meticulous with my ablutions. Uh after each stint. Uh, and, and that goes the same for any adventure really wherever i've been uh, made sure that, that groin area is nice and clean after every um, stint whether that be all day or just your two-hour session to try and look after those things so obviously i've heard some horror stories of some <laughs> disgusting and quite horrendous sounding injuries but luckily i've been okay so the only real thing that sort of plagues me is my left shoulder from the black sea that i alluded to earlier that i basically had to row one armed for 14 hours uh one day and that just seems to have sort of flared my shoulder blade a bit and sort of you know got a bit tender nights at the top of my bicep that kind of thing but nothing too huge
0: can you think of three songs which remind you of the row
1: again this kind of blurs into one i think the uh, the black sea obviously i could have music blaring from the deck speakers i didn't need headphones because uh, nobody else around so that was fantastic and it was just mainly you know rock music a bit of acdc that kind of thing but nothing you know quite sadly stands out whereas the Atlantic I'm going to say go west Uh, as soon as we turned that corner and headed west that was pretty cool that sticks in my head and the uh, Alicia's Attic album fun enough that we both sang along to that sticks out Uh, the Hamilton soundtrack (laughs) that stands out for the wrong reasons wasn't my cup of tea Uh, and that was one of those moments on the the ocean that we uh, that we shared that um, will always live with me but (laughs) But no hard feelings, it just makes you smile now.
0: Yeah, and what he doesn't mention there is that I had to suffer through two hours of Eminem before I made him endure two hours of Hamilton. So don't feel too sorry for him. Actually don't feel sorry for him at all. So talking of terrible experiences, did you suffer with any post adventure blues? so
1: after the black sea i immediately threw myself into something else Uh, i still had to sell the boat and all that kind of stuff but i decided to sign up for the marathon to saab i wanted to do something where i didn't have to organize i didn't have to spend hours and hours searching for sponsors and working on logistics and all that because it was so stressful and i didn't want to do any of that i just wanted to sign up for a race and go run it and train for it and run it so yeah marathon to saab i signed up for for the next year and uh, yes, yeah, if you don't know, six marathons, six days essentially across the Sahara Desert. And um, so, yeah, I just trained for that and, and that gave me focus straight away. Also, I got to come home and enjoy all the the creature comforts that you miss, the sofa and your nice bed and your family, and your friends and your food. Um, but I had something to focus on. When I came back from the Atlantic, we were incredibly, incredibly lucky. I think I probably irritated yourself and Billy a bit by um, constantly clock watching because obviously we had a delay with Cape Verde and that put us back. And I had a holiday to get to. Essentially, I, uh, we had snowboarding booked for our birthdays, and um, yeah, we what well, we arrived on in Antigua on the Thursday morning. I spent six hours in Antigua with you guys, and sadly had to leave, uh, and then fly back home. Landed on the Friday morning. Saturday morning, flew out to France uh, to go snowboarding for a week. So, I had something straight away. So, that probably irritated both of you guys, but it gave me something to to look forward to straight away. And although I probably physically wasn't in the best place, I was obviously not walked for a while, it gave me something I could literally throw myself into, throw myself down the mountain. Luckily, Louise bought me, my wife, she bought me some padded pants because obviously you don't have much backside left after sitting on it for 60 days. And obviously, I, uh, as an accident-prone kind of athlete, tend to just throw myself down the mountain and occasionally, most days, crash. So I'm glad I had that extra padding on my backside because that would have been really <laughs> uncomfortable.
0: What advice do you have for future ocean rowers?
1: Advice. That's always a funny thing, isn't it? Uh, my advice would be, one, always do your ablutions after your rowing stint. Try and minimize the risk of those, those injuries, those sores. Two, get your snack packs right. This is where I went wrong and Alex, you went right. So I had um, sandwich bags, I had uh, quite like Ziploc sandwich bags and I'd have almost sweets in there. So I would had bags of like, you know, the big family pack bags of um, Skittles and M&Ms and I'd empty them into there with a few sort of snack chocolate bars. And then inside that bag, I'd have a smaller Ziploc bag with my savoury things like, um, like those Chinese rice crackers and, and, and nuts and things. Now, this is exactly what I'd done on the Black Sea. On the Atlantic, it failed miserably. So all the food got tainted by the the plastic of the bags. And funnily enough, when you've got M&Ms and Skittles mixed together, and the S's and the M's rub off, they are different shapes and sizes, but only ever so slightly. And in the middle of the Atlantic, and you're trying, you just want to grab a pile and chuck them down your mouth. Sour Skittles and chocolate M&Ms do not go together whatsoever. Whereas yourself, uh, you, you you know, you had a pack of shortbread. And it's just like, wow, why didn't I do that? So keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it like I did. And if you're going to have stuff in packets, keep it in its packets. Don't decant it. It did not work at all. Uh, so there are two massive lessons or advice. I would also say for me, podcasts work brilliantly. So uh, podcasts or, or audio books. So I listened to all the Harry Potters. And actually I found sometimes, because i would only seen like one or two movies, I found that after my stint at the oars came to an end it might reach that point in a book where i would be like oh i just want to continue the story i want to find out what happens to to harry or whoever and obviously you're not going to say no no it's happy i'm happy to keep on rowing because you you want that rest but i made sure i didn't listen to it while i was on my two hours off i wanted to make sure that i had that to look forward to to get back on the oars and that worked really well for me so yeah don't just take music because that although music's right for you in the right mode the right mood the right time of the day certainly at night when the light's gone and you you know you're not really chatting to each other if you're rowing as a pair then having the ability to put your headphones in and and totally disconnect and listen to a story or a comedy podcast or whatever it may be for me worked really well so i definitely advise on that i think just what i alluded to before try and remember why you're there and try and appreciate those moments Try and appreciate the sunrise, the sunset. Appreciate that Milky Way's above you or the shooting stars and stop for a minute when the the whales are swimming by or the dolphins are jumping in. Because you you might be a really driven team that's after a world record and, you know, don't get me wrong, I totally get that. And, you know, I was partly driven by that. But although you'll remember them and you might have a, you know, a frame with it in, what well, you'll really remember if you take that moment is those dolphins jumping around the boat or it will be that that night sky so yeah just take a moment to enjoy those those times and they are the rewards for all the hard work
0: and finally would you do it again
1: well it's funny isn't it i said i wouldn't do another row after the black sea and i would um i was done with that i like to try different things but obviously i went and did the atlantic and after the atlantic i said you know what i am actually done with ocean rowing however That doesn't mean I'm done with crossing oceans. I'd love to have a pedal-powered boat and perhaps cross the two that I've already done before. I don't know. Um, I'd quite like to go back to the Black Sea, um, see some friends in Bulgaria and in Georgia, um, and I think doing it in a slightly different mode of transport, essentially the same thing, but pedal-powered. I think that'd be really cool. So um, it's it's a yes and no, I guess. But there's plenty in the pipe works, plenty of things to look forward to, but you never know what's around the corner. I never thought, like I say, that I'd be doing the Atlantic until that phone call came through. So um, never say never.
0: Thanks, Scott.
1: No, no, no. Thank you. Alex, been a pleasure chatting to you. We should hook up soon. We're not seeing each other for a while. Uh, so that'd be great. But yeah, take care. Thanks very much.
0: A massive thank you to Scott for sharing his story and all of his advice. I didn't really know Scott that well before we rode across the Atlantic together. And apart from that one day where we disagreed on the music, I had a really great time and I've so many good memories from that trip. Scott and I are quite similar in a lot of ways, I think, and we both aren't the type of people who just pick up the phone for a chat, which doesn't make us a very good combination. And we haven't seen each other since we got off the boat, but I feel like Scott is the type of friend that if I just turned up on his doorstep or if I did call him and I had a problem with something, he would do everything he could to help. One of those friends that you can go years without properly speaking to and yet you can just pick up where you left off. And I love that I have gained a friend like Scott through ocean rowing. I am absolutely not the type of person to say this directly to his face, so hopefully he has listened this far and despite all the teasing, he knows how much I value his friendship. Anyway, enough of all that. If you are an ocean rower and would like to share your story, get in touch, theoceanrowingclub at gmail.com or via Instagram at theoceanrowingclub. If you are enjoying the podcast, don't forget to rate and review and give it five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Like and share and recommend it to all of your friends. And don't forget to join us again next week when we take a trip across the Atlantic with the world's youngest female solo rower. Toodle pip!